0: Good afternoon everyone. Hope you're doing well today. I say this welcome home here in the month of September again. We have kind of got a back to church Sunday month. We know that many people have been away on holidays, done different things, and here we come into the fall. And we are just so, so glad that you are here with us today. And it's great to see you here. I know that fall is fully upon us. I don't know if you know that on Friday uh, was the last day of summer. The first day of fall was yesterday. I think we've been experiencing it for weather. For some of us, maybe you you feel like it's winter. Uh, I love the changing of the seasons. I get excited about just the different uh, experiencing, the different temperatures, uh, different uh, scenery. I love the leaves and all the things that go along with this time of year. Now, I do wish summer could hang around a little bit longer. Not going to lie, we seem to have a pretty short summer season here. But hey, uh, it's life, and we are going to move on. And in fact, as Naomi already mentioned, Thanksgiving is coming up in a few weeks. Who here likes Thanksgiving? It's one of your favorite holidays. It's one of mine as well. I agree with the food thing. You can never, ever have too much food. It's a wonderful and awesome thing. Now, today I want to talk to you as we continue our series, Lean on Me. I want to share a story uh, about this. I, uh, many years ago, I used to think that traveling... By plane was fun. I, I I look forward to it. I look forward to just the adventure of of going through airports and seeing different places and doing different things. But in the in, in recent years, uh, I, I look at air travel as just a way to get from point A to point B. I mean, it, it's not quite as fun as it used to be. Maybe I've done it a little too often, I, I, I get, you know, tired of all of the baggage rules and regulations, and you can check this on, and you can't check that on, and, and the slow security, I mean, I, I'm, I'm all for being safe and protected, but, you know, sometimes it just seems like things get a little bit overboard, like your shoes, I don't know what you're hiding in your shoes, but, hey, uh, you gotta take them off, and then the, then the thing about overbooked flights, why, when you are buying a ticket to an air uh, on a flight, should they be able to sell more flight seats than they have available? I think it's wrong. I think it's crazy. Uh, I don't like it. It's frustrating. But the best part is how small the seats are for those of us who fly in the back of the plane and coach, kind of where all the peasants hang out. You, you, you know, it's the, 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 the planes that especially have three seats in a row, And, and, you know, they're they're just so small, they don't, they don't, they're they're not very big, and I mean, I I don't consider myself a very large human being, but there are times when I feel like my knees are up to my ears, it's just, it's crazy what you have to do, and there was a flight one time a few years ago, I was going to visit some family in Nashville, Tennessee, I have some family that lives out in that part of the United States, and as I was going there, I was flying from Phoenix, Arizona, to Nashville, Tennessee, about a three-hour flight, um, I realized I was in the best seat of all, that middle seat. Now, when I got to my seat and I sat down, um, there was a challenge. I had two large men that were one on my right one on my left. I was sitting right in between them. And I was kind of like, hmm, I wonder how this is going to work. I didn't know that there was an armrest. I couldn't see it. It wasn't available to me. And so I remember I was sitting and I was just kind of, In between, and I was like, this is going to be exciting and fun for the next three hours of my life. What could go wrong? Well, 15 minutes after the flight took off, the guy that was on my right side, who was on the aisle, I noticed was starting to do the the funky chicken. He's like, and all of a sudden, he he was asleep, and he was snoring. And then as he moved, he started to do the, you know, so I'm already sitting here, and the next thing I know, his head is right on my shoulder. Now, I had a choice. Do I do I say something or do I just endure? And, and you know, I, I, I was kind that day. I have, think I had good sleep the night before. I decided I would just endure what was going on, the snoring, the slobbering, the, the, the sweaty. I, I was just stuck. You know, you see, the, the thing was, he was leaning on me. Okay, you, you, you get my time. Today we're going to continue our series called what? Lean on me. Simply put, I need you and you need me. That We need each other to grow, to mature, to become everything God intended for us to become. We need to lean on each other. Now here's the question. I'm just going to get right to the chase day. Here's the question I have for you. Can people lean on you? Are you somebody that other people can lean on? You see, a lot of times we, we look at church and we, we, we look at what we're, we're doing, and I believe this, that together we are called to be an impactful, transformational community. That when people come together, when we come together, lives are to be changed. They're to be transformed. We're to see people come to make decisions that Jesus is to be the center of their life. Our desire is to see people grow and mature. But here's the question. You see, it cannot be just a one-way street. I talked to a gentleman even in the first service. He's like, man, the the things you've been talking about here recently have changed me. I just look at everybody like, how can they help me? But I'm realizing I need to help other people. And I was like, amen. You're catching it, brother. Keep going. You see, we need to lean on each other as we build but can people lean on you? Now I want to say this. I like to laugh and joke about my relationship with my wife, Jan. You know, marriage is a gift. I say this, marriage is a great gift that God has for us. But there are things about marriage, those of you that have been in this relationship or are in this relationship, that, that there are things that can test you when you're in that type of relationship, like building furniture together. In fact, I, I, I've been pastoring for now over 20 years. One of the things that we are, we've debated to put into our, our marriage counseling, our pre-marriage counseling program, is that we would send couples to Ikea to buy a piece of non-put-together furniture and put it together to, with each other. You learn a lot about you know you, that your significant other when you do stuff like that together. Can I hear an amen for that? You see, can we lean on each other? You see, I think Ikea is both awesome and awful at the same time. It's awesome because there are so many cool things for your house, your office, whatever. You would agree with me. You, you like Ikea. You like checking out stuff. They got cool stuff. It's cheap. A lot of it, it, it's just awesome. But it's also awful because when you buy it, you normally have to put it together. And there's bolts and there's different things that you've got to, widgets and gidgets, that you've got you to gotta make it all work. And I remember w- when my wife and I first bought our house over 20 years ago, that we decided that, that, that we were going to go get a desk and we were going to build it together. <laughs> now who understands that assumption, assuming things, is never a good thing in relationships? Assuming things is never a good thing. Well, my wife and I began, uh, we were putting the, the desk together, and I remember I was kind of, uh, we'd put one side down, and we were working on the top, and we had another thing that was covering, and And she was with me, and, and, I, and I believed at that moment she was holding the, 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 the top of the desk so that I could grab some bolts and put it together. That was my assumption, that, that she was still holding the desk. Well, she had assumed that everything was okay that I didn't need her help anymore. And so she had moved on into the kitchen to grab tea or coffee or something. And I remember in that moment where I thought she was there that all of a sudden the desk collapsed and it landed on top of my head. You're laughing. I didn't think it was very funny back then. You see, building requires teamwork. Teamwork. If we're going to build anything great, it requires teamwork. It requires a team of people who work together. And who knows that working together with people isn't always easy. It's challenging. I think that that's why God calls church to be a family community. Why? Because he knows that there will be challenges with us working together. But we need to overcome those challenges because when we do, we grow and we mature. Now in the book of Nehemiah, We have a story about some Israelites who have been commissioned by the king of Persia to go and rebuild, rebuild Jerusalem. Who here remembers a few weeks ago when I talked about Daniel, the story of Daniel and the lion's den, or not in the lion's den, but just how Daniel and his friends had been taken from Jerusalem. Well, now we're moving forward in time 70 years later. And now they're heading back. And they were led by two great leaders, Ezra and Nehemiah. And uh, we're going to look at Nehemiah here today because their first task in rebuilding Jerusalem was that they were called to rebuild the wall that went around the city. So if you turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 4 verses 1 and 2, we're going to see that we're going to pick up as they've kind of already been in the process of building the wall. They've already been started to work together. They're already coordinating their efforts. They haven't really got very far. And they face some challenges. Let's See what happens here in Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 1 to 2. If you have your Bible, you can open it with me. I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation. Um, if you don't, you can follow along on the screen. So here we have this guy. Sanballat was very angry when he learned we, that we were building, rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage and mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Sumerian army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they really think they can build a wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Or do they actually think they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap, charred ones at that? Who here knows that when you decide to do something significant in your life, sometimes there are people that will challenge you? People that will want to pull you back into things Well, when Nehemiah and the Israelites started to build, they began to face these challenges. You see, Sanballat and his friends began to mock and laugh at them. You could almost hear it when I was reading it. Look at you fools. What you want to do is impossible. You know that it's hopeless. I don't know if you've ever went to do a task and all of a sudden you got in the middle of it and you go, after about 15 minutes or an hour or a day, you're just like, oh my goodness, this is hopeless. I can't do this. Or you, you hear the, the voice saying, you're too weak and there are too few of you. Maybe you don't, you, that you don't have the strength to accomplish anything. Or maybe this, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? You don't have the authority to do that. And it attempts to make you think that you're not only opposing God, but you're opposing man, that somehow you're just doing things on your own. You see, I I believe this when it comes to our own lives. Isn't that the truth that we face these same type of challenges when we want to grow? When we want to take those next steps in our life? When we want to make changes? We want to see things move forward? We want to go to that next level? we We want to go to something different than where we've been before? Maybe it's a dream that God has put in your heart and you begin to walk out that dream and all of a sudden things begin to oppose you. You're going to take that self-health class. You've wanted to go back to school. You've wanted to do something to build yourself up, and in that, the moment that you finally work everything out, your boss changes your schedule at work, and you're just like, oh, what can I do? You're going to become a better leader at school. Maybe there's some students that are, that are in here and, and you just want to be somebody that, that stands out for, for good things and the, the, the cool kids all of a sudden are calling you nerd and loser and things like that where you just feel discouraged and small and insignificant. Maybe you want to quit smoking. You've just, you know that it's time in your life. You want to get healthier. You want to change this. But your stress level today is at DEFCON 5. There's strain in your relationships with your spouse or your significant other or your kids or, or, or your boss at work. You're just facing stress. You're just like, I, I just can't overcome this right now. Maybe you want to start a business, but you're so afraid of failure. You can begin to hear things whispering in your What are you doing? You can't do that. Who do you think you are? Look at you. You're not qualified. Sometimes it can be People. Innocent people, people that just, they don't realize it. You're just like, man, I'm excited about this. And they just make a little comment. And it just gets in your heart and your spirit. Maybe they're a real enemy. They just, like, oppose you. Sometimes it's just the thoughts that you have in your head, those seed thoughts that you're battling. I believe we can face similar situations as a church family. Where it seems there's always... Something trying to stop us, something always trying to stop us as East Side City Church from moving forward into what God has for us. Things that begin to pull on us, like you tried that before. Why are you trying that again? Don't do that. Didn't work last time. Why do you think it'll work this time? Or maybe to you personally. We look around and we think think that that we don't have a voice, we don't have any impact, and you, you begin to hear things like, your little part will not make a difference, or how about this one, you really don't fit there. There's no place for you. We get discouraged, we get demotivated, and if we're not careful, it can begin to impact our our spirit and we we, we begin to sh- uh, to to walk away from even trying to walk together or work together. We turn from being a builder because we're all called to build and we can become a basher where we destroy we tear down we criticize we begin to get negative towards people and vision and leaders and all the things that are tied to it but here's the thing we want to Be constructive, not destructive, don't we? I believe that each one of us wants our lives to go forward, and I'm here to tell you today that when you're facing those things, that some of these situations, God didn't intend for you to battle all alone, all by yourself, that you need other people. But just as significant, I want to say this to you, there are other people that need you. Can they count on you? Will you be there for them? We pick up the story in verse 14, because they're moving along and, and, and building the wall, and there's some significant things that I want to bring out today as we, we, we are called to work together. We're called to walk together. That we're, we're to count, look to each other, to be there for each other. And it says this. This is Nehemiah speaking. Then as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord. Who is great and glorious. And fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. When our enemies heard that we knew of their plans and that God had frustrated them, we all returned to our work on the wall. But from then on, only half of the men worked while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. The leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah, who were building the wall, the laborers carried on their work with one hand supporting their, their load, the other hand holding a weapon. All the builders had a sword belted to their side. The trumpeteers stayed with me to sound the alarm. Wow. There's great power in encouragement. See, here's my question. Have you ever faced a situation in your life that just seemed so dark, so terrible. You heard a rumor, maybe it was something that was spoken about you, or you heard something about a family member, maybe about a health scare, or, or just something where, where when you, it first begins to hit you and people begin to talk, it just seems like there's nothing but despair. But then all of a sudden, somebody else comes and gives you a different perspective. They begin to share something a little different. They bring new information, and it changes your perspective. It changes the way that you see things. When my son was two years old, we noticed that he was becoming more pale and that he was becoming quite lethargic, like he had no energy. He didn't want to do anything. And so we got concerned after a day of seeing him behave this way. And so we decided, I think like most parents would, that we were going to take him to the emergency at the children's hospital. We wanted to figure out, what, what, what's going on here? This, this isn't great. And so when we showed up, they, they, they did a blood, some blood work on him, they, they looked at him, and they came and shared with us some news that was really quite disturbing. They said, we don't know how to tell you this, Mr. and Mrs. Richard, but your son is no longer producing red blood cells. Well, I'm, I, I have a little bit of scientific knowledge, but you don't get oxygen without red blood cells. I, I think this was a kind of a, a tragic scenario. And so we began to ask, well, well, what's going on? And they began to use words like leukemia. They began to use words like blood disorders. And they were even talking, they are like, well, we, we may in the next few hours have to give your son a blood transfusion just to see if he can make it. And, and we were kind of like, oh my goodness, God. What do we do? What do we, how do we handle this thing? Well, about an hour later, the blood specialist, a doctor, that that was his, his work. And he took a few moments, and he looked at everything, and he came into our room, and we were crying, and we were just like praying for our son. And he's playing over in the corner. He doesn't realize that what's being talked about. He's two years old, and, and, and we're watching him, and we're wondering, God, what, what's the, his future going to look like? And this doctor comes in, and he says, Hey, guys, I just want you to know you don't need to worry about anything. I think you've got a virus. There's some viruses that, that knock out the immune system and the, the, the blood. Yeah, it's serious, but you just need to watch him for a few days? I, I believe he's going to be OK. Whew. Perspective changed In a moment. It changed everything. You see, that was the news that Nehemiah was delivering to the Jews who are walking on the wall. Here they just heard nothing but mocking and cursing and all these things. And he was reminding them. He was giving them a different perspective. He was saying, Don't be afraid of the enemy. Can I say this to you today? Maybe you feel like things are opposing you. Maybe you feel like you're in a difficult place. I'm telling you today, I'm reminding you don't be afraid of the enemy. Don't be afraid of the enemy. Don't be afraid of his lies. Don't be afraid of his curses. Don't be afraid of he who opposes you. Because as Nehemiah said, remember, God is for you. I love this. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious. (laughs) Oh, yes. He's saying, remember what God has done for you in the past. Remember that you're not only fighting for yourself, but you're fighting for others as well. For your sons and your daughters and your moms and your dads and your brothers and your sisters. We're fighting for each other. Don't give up. Don't quit. Who here knows when we're left alone with our thoughts, we can go to dark places? <laughs> But with the help of friends and family, our church family, we can push through and have a healthier perspective. Sometimes you just need somebody else to say, come on, you're going to be okay, you can make it today. I'm telling you, if you don't get anything else out of this today, that's what community is supposed to be about. That's why community is so important. That's why we're becoming family together here at Eastside City Church, because Not only do we need people to help us, we need to be there to help them. And it says then that, that we return to our work on the wall. You see, he didn't just encourage them. He didn't just change their perspective. He said, look, we got a job to do. Can I say this to you today? Each one of us has a job to do. Each one of us has a job to do in building A greater and more impactful and powerful church community. Each one of you has a part to play in that, but building requires teamwork. It requires us working together. Do you know how difficult it would be to build a 1,200 square foot home all by yourself? Number one, you likely don't have all of the skills. You might be a good carpenter, but that doesn't mean you're a plumber. You could be an electrician, but that doesn't mean you know how to pour concrete. You might be excellent at, at drywall and insulation, but you may not know how to install a furnace or a heating system. You see, there's so many parts to it. You probably don't have all the skills to build a house by yourself. And if you did, it would take you a ginormous amount of time. It'd be like in the Bible where it was like, it took 13 years to build the palace. You're like, whoa. You see, when we work together, good things happen. When we work together, we can see things happen even more quickly. But here's what I have. you, you got to hear this, and, and I'm going to kind of step into things. Can I challenge you a little bit today? Are you okay with that? Listen to this. Nothing happens unless you take your place. you got to take your place. I call it the power of presence. You see, the greatest impact comes not from being together, but from working together. You cannot have the same impact from a a distance. What I'm trying to say is when you aren't here, and I'm not just talking about, listen to me, I'm not just talking about Sunday morning. Even though Sunday morning is important. Because it's where we get to worship together. Who here just loves it when all of a sudden we're all worshiping and you can just sense God's just presence through all of us being exalted? Isn't it a powerful thing? That's why I have a dream of this place just being full because there's just something about people being together, worshiping God, encouraging it. It's just so awesome. It reminds me when I go to a football game and there's 60,000 people all, ah, the hair on the back of your neck just goes, fantastic it's euphoric but there's also small groups there's places where we meet together that's still the church there's also uh, can i say this there's prayer gatherings there's uh, celebrate recovery there's other things that we're doing as a church that, that it's all about us being together building together and you have a place in this When I go on a trip, I I make a a point to contact my wife and my kids. We talk about the the day in different situations. When problems arise, I give my advice. But I'll tell you what, when I'm Skyping or I'm on a video chat, it's not the same as when I'm physically there. The greatest gift I can give my wife and my children is my presence. Not that I'm so awesome, but hey. The greatest gift you can give your church family is your presence, being here, being a part of it. And, and I realize that in this day and age, there's a trend that is happening in churchdom in North America that people are coming to church less and less often. I got people that come here twice a year and they're like, man, east side's my home. And they, and I believe that they, that they, they relate to us. What, I, what I'm saying is, what you don't realize if you're only here every once in a while is that there are people that need you in their lives that are missing you. You have value, you have influence, you have impact. And I want to tell you this today, that if there's a lie that would like to come into your head and say, look at it doesn't matter, no, nobody cares, but I'm telling you, it's important. So how do we do it? I love this picture. It so, says so they went back to work on the wall and they had one hand on their, the building and one hand on the sword. They had one hand on the trowel, if we can speak, the, the, the thing that they were using to build, and one hand on the sword. And I want to talk to you just as we close here. Well, what, does that, what does that mean for us here today? One hand on the trowel. How do we do it? Well, one hand was meant for building. They're called to build together. Here's what I want to say to you. Find your area of serving and do it well. Find your place. Now, some of you might be like, I don't know, Pastor Todd, what my place is. Well, I want to encourage you. One of the tools that we have here at Eastside City Church is called our Belong Classes. It's a four-week course, and, and if I could simplify what it's really about, it's really about helping people find their place in our church. Well, is that what it's all about? To, yeah, that's what it's really what it comes down to, is understanding who Jesus is, understanding what your relationship is, but then saying, you know what, you've got a place here in this church and how to find it. So we'll be doing this not only in September, we're going to do it four weeks in October, four weeks in November. Maybe that's what you need to do. But you also can talk to your small group leader. You could talk to one of the pastors. and We would love to help you find your place. Because here's something that's awesome about you. You are unique, and you have great abilities and talents that nobody else has. And there's something that you can provide that is missing in this church. Find your place of area of serving and do it well. I'll tell you what we don't need is I I have a lot of people that come up to me and say You know, this would be something we should do. This would be a great idea. This would be awesome if our church was doing this. This would be great if you, pastor, you would just do this. This would be awesome. And then I say, hey, how about you help? And you're like, ah, no, it's just my idea. I think sometimes when we talk about the church, we think it's just the leaders or a few people. But I know when God looks at the church, he looks at all of us because it's not a building, it's people walking together in community. I just have a role to play just like you do. And I don't have all the answers, but I'm part of the solution just like you. You see, building requires a business, build, the building business requires investment. It requires a sacrifice of time, a, a use of unique talents, the release of resources. You see, you can't build if you don't build put into building. Uh, <laughs> I've learned this the hard way. There are projects that I have in my office at home. There are piles of things that I'm like, you know what, one day I'm going to get to that. One of these days, I'm going to fix it. Now, I shared this in the first service, and I think some people guessed. So I, I've been in the process. I realized I need to clean up my email, uh, all my emails. Who here is, would say sometimes your emails run amok? Do you want to know how many uh, unopened emails I, have, I had yesterday? 14,000. Now, Just so that you all, yeah I know all of you are going to be like that's terrible. All those people you're ignoring pastor, you're just being a bad, bad pastor. Uh, Most of them are because I subscribe to lots of different things like leadership groups and pastors resources. In fact I had like 3,500 emails were from one church leadership podcast that I was like, you know one of these times I'm going to listen to that. And I realized that, that That there were that the last time I opened one of their podcasts was in 2015. So I I, yesterday I spent I I literally I think I you know when you're pushing the button it's like you hit shift and I think I fell asleep I woke up and I was still like deleting that one one thing here. You see you cannot build something if without putting something into it it won't change. Who here feels better about your email uh, account now? All right. You know, we started a few years ago an idea in our church about kind of how, what would be our expectation from people? And I feel like God's leading me back to this, that ultimately our idea was this. We had this phrase that said, attend one, serve one, join one. And the idea behind it was this, is that we believe that every single person should attend at least one worship service a week. Some place where you're just, God's feeding you, pouring into you, you're getting your worship, you're, 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 you're with other people, and God's speaking to you. But then, our expectation is, is that people would also serve in a, a place of ministry. And I used to be like, well, it'd be great if everybody could do it once a week, but I realized that there are a lot of challenges for people in order to do that. And I was like, what if people just even once a month were able to serve as an usher, a door greeter, help in kids' ministry, whatever it is. You know, that to me would be a significant thing for people to be able to do that. Because I believe this: we need to be together and we need to work together. And lastly, join one was that everybody, I believe this, needs to be able, involved in a small group. You need people that you can uh, share your life with, that you can work through different uh, things that you're going through, that you can get teaching and encouragement and people praying for you, that, that you, you can't experience that necessarily in a big group gathering. Attend one, serve one, join one. That's one hand on building. The other hand was to be on the sword block. I looked at this as blocking. What I saw here is that when we're in community together, it's our job to defend one another. That we're called to protect one another. I see an arrow coming for innocent over here and I'm willing to jump and get in the way to protect him. That that's part of what Building community is that I will defend your reputation, I will defend, fight for good things for you. That we will walk together, that we will stand together with our shields of faith. That God's given each one of us a shield of faith. Now, when I this is Ephesians chapter 6, it's the full armor of God that we are called to. Take up our shield of faith to do what? To extinguish the fiery darts of the enemy. Now, one of the things that I realized is that the enemy can attack you from many different ways. And when the Bible was written, you have to understand that they were into uh, that kind of that ancient warfare where, where the knights had all march in, in a line. And then the people across would be in their line and they would take their arrows, knock, release, and people would, you know, they would, they would hit them with all of their stuff. You know, crazy. I mean, who wants to be a frontline guy in that, that scenario? But what they would also do is they began to develop different defense tactics. And so they would take their shields, and they would either form a wall where they would stack their shields low, some in the middle and some over the top, so that regardless of whether the enemy fired arrows or a swordsman came with a sword or they, they went to hit him with spears, they were able to be protected. And I look at that, that thought and that idea that when it comes to our faith, that if I just have my shield and the enemy's firing arrows and also throwing a spear, it's going to be very difficult for me to block both the arrow and the spear. But if your shield is linked with my shield, not only are you going to protect me in the front, but my back is going to be covered as well. Because I'm going to cover your back while you're covering my back. We're going to have a shield over our head. We're going to have a shield at our feet. Why? Because we're linked together by faith. And when, our faith is, when my faith is stacked with your faith and the faith of other believers, we become an impenetrable wall against the attack of the enemy. And instead of fighting against each other, we will fight for each other. You see, it's important that we guard each other's backs. You see, there's damage when we fail to pro- that can be done that's sometimes very destructive. And for some people, it's been almost irreparable when people fail to protect each other. Well, how do we protect each other? First of all, in the things that we say about each other, the way that we talk. That we purpose in our hearts to encourage each other, that, that, that we won't say bad things about each other. Now, I want you to know that your words have incredible power. they're like arrows. They go out. Now these arrows can be good, positive, life-giving, encouraging. Or these arrows can be destructive. Now here's the thing that you need to understand about the power of your words. It doesn't matter whether the people can hear you speak it or not. Because it's still powerful. If I curse you in my home, I'm still cursing you. And it can have impact on people's lives, but the same is true that I can bless you, and it has impact. There was a—I shared this a few years ago. There was somebody that did a, a test. They were—they grew like a a bread a, a yeast culture in a, in, in a jar, and they put in one jar. They what they did for a whole month is they cursed the jar, while the other jar they spoke nothing but good things and blessings. And what they found at the end of one month. The blessing jar was relatively healthy. There was no decay. There wasn't any uh, yucky things that had begun to grow, and it just becomes from somebody speaking blessing. But in the jar where they cursed, it was necrotic, decaying, stinky. Words have Power. Nothing says as well, I have your back, like praying for each other. I believe this as a church, we need to pray together more. There's great value in corporate prayer. Now, I'm going to say a little joke. I'm going to tell you it's a joke right now. You know how to disperse a crowd? Call a prayer meeting. You know how to get people to to, to, to go like, whoa hey, I got well, well wait a second, I got other things to do. you just call a, a prayer meeting. Well we 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 are like, well, Pastor Todd, that's really sacrilegious of you, but it's true. You see, I believe we struggle because we face busyness. We, we sometimes fail to see the value in what we're doing. Or we don't find that, that, that what we're doing is making a difference because sometimes you can't see it right away. It takes time. But I believe this. That God's designed for us, first of all, is that we'd pray for one another in our own private prayer time. That we'd be praying for, for one another, our small group, our friends, our family, our leaders. That we'd be praying for. But there's also something powerful when we come together to pray. And God's challenging me more and more and more. Todd, don't neglect that time of praying together. Watch what you're doing. Come together. You know, we have corporate prayer time on Wednesday nights from 7.15 to 8.30. I know people can't be there every week. I get it. I'm not there every single week, being honest. But we need to come together to pray, whether it's in our small groups, whether it's with our, our friends and our family, but there's something about our church praying together. And I have a dream Because I believe this is what's going to break through to see more transformation take place. I have a dream that one day we're going to have prayer meetings where this whole auditorium is filled with people crying out to God. But we need each other. I want to encourage you that your presence makes a difference. I'm going to invite Margot to come up here today. You see, we can stand against the enemy together. In 1 Peter 2, verses 4 to 5, Peter writes this about who we are as his people. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor and you are living stones that God is building into a spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priest. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifice that please God. You see, what Peter is saying is that we are living stones who are bla- placed together in the walls of the house of God. That when we unite ourselves together, we become this place, This people that can help people, that can encourage people, that can rescue people, that can change people. Today I ask you, are you involved in your place of service and responsibility within our church family? I'm asking this week that you would allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. Are you a part of what, God wants to do here? Are you helping other peoples? Can people count on you to help them? To hold them accountable and to encourage them to be the best that you will be? Will you commit yourself to defend and protect your fellow church family members? Will you make it a point to pray for them? Maybe today God is speaking to you about one of those areas. What is your place What is your part? Well, Pastor Todd, I'm struggling with X, Y, Z. I got so many issues in my life. You know what? You still have something to offer. And I shared it a few weeks ago. Sometimes we find our healing, our place of healing as we're giving to other people. Just how God operates. It's how he works. Because we're so connected with each other. This week I'm praying that God will, will speak to each and every one of us. That for those of you maybe that aren't in a place of helping and serving and volunteering and working with other brothers, that you'll let God speak to you and you'll say, you know what, I'm going to ask God, where, where's my spot? For others of you that you're going to say, you know what, God, use me, use me, help me to...